closing the box. Hello, friends. We're back. Welcome to episode two. We're pumped. <laughs> episode one uh, went live today, and we're just so excited. Yeah, it's so awesome. It's, it's so exciting to hear all of your feedback um, and to finally be able to share this adventure with you. Yeah, it's been really awesome just hearing everyone's thoughts and opinions on the first episode, um, what they're like looking forward to hearing from us, um, and you know all their ideas and everything. It sounds really awesome. Really yeah, exciting first day. Yeah, and it's it's a growing experience for us too. I think, and it's nice that we have this opportunity to keep improving and growing and listening back to our reflections and thinking, hmm. I still believe that. Do I yeah. want to change from that? <laughs> um, it's so interesting to to edit. Like I'm the one editing, and it's so fascinating to hear myself. And it's something like two days ago I said, and now I'm thinking, hmm, do I still think that? Yeah. No, and also just to, you know have like this documentation of of things that we've been saying and thinking, and to kind of you know listen back on it and be like, and use that to help us move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and to help us continue on with our adventure through life and all of those things. Yeah, for sure. So following episode one, actually even prior, we got a lot of questions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about you know what rounding the box is about and how it pertains to us. And why are we speaking about this topic? Yeah, how we came up with the name, which we definitely touched on last time. Yeah. I think we're looking to go a little bit more like in depth into you know what are these boxes that we're talking about um and what kind of is our mission and our goal and our Mm -hmm. our ideas yeah every time someone asked me what the podcast was about I talked a lot about finding myself at an intersection of two identities and then or more than two actually of multiple and then I kept getting the follow-up question um, so what identities are you talking yeah. about, Gabby? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know more. Um, so I think most of what we're going to talk about today is some of those intersections that we are yeah. finding ourselves at. It's going to be exciting and just, you know, kind of open up the space so you guys can tell the things that we, you know, have trouble with and maybe it, you know, relates to you. Maybe it doesn't, maybe you have your own things that are different than ours and obviously we would love to hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can, you know, have different topics and I think a lot of the things that we're going to touch upon today are things that we're going to go deeper into at later points Mm -hmm. Um, but it's kind of like a nice overview but also still a little bit more specific than the first episode you know each episode we go deeper and deeper (laughs) we get more close together yeah and I think it's an opportunity for us to be a bit more vulnerable um, yeah definitely yeah to reflect a bit on on who we are what's going on for us I'll start all right, does that sound it. good? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. I give you the baton. Um, so as I mentioned in the first episode, um, I'm from New Hampshire and I'm living in Jerusalem. And I have found myself definitely growing religiously in my time here. So I've noticed that a lot of the friends that I'm making here that are in this more religious community come from largely the same places, either New York or New Jersey. I have a lot of friends from Chicago. Yeah. Um, And they're all awesome people, and I love them so much. But I also have noticed that I just grew up culturally so different and and also religiously. And it's definitely hard to find, like, the intersection of that 
Um, a lot of things that my family didn't do growing up, like keeping kosher, was partially a product of accessibility. We had to go to Boston in order to get any kosher meat. And it's actually amazing. My parents do that way more frequently now, and I'm For really sure. impressed by them. Um, but it's not easy to do it when you don't have access and when you don't have a community. Um, and so there are things that have come up where I'm sort of like, okay, I know, I know that you think the kind of Judaism I did was fake <laughs> or not legitimate. If you want to say it's not legitimate, there was nothing I could do about it in a lot of yeah, ways. The resources exactly. were so minimal. Um, I always say that I had culture shock on two levels when I came here. Okay. I had the culture shock of Israelis. And then I had the culture shock of like observant American Jews. Yeah, definitely. Because that was something I never experienced. It was a community I never experienced. Um, and so I, f and I feel really passionate about my like New Hampshire identity. Uh, yeah. And I love that. And I love the way I grew up and I love the area I grew up in. I love that I went to public school and not a religious day school because I felt so in touch with people that had such different cultures from me and it was an amazing experience for me and so I've never wanted to let go of that but it doesn't always feel like it fits in to the rest of the community right. and I definitely struggle with like holding on to that and also not being such a like unicorn yeah. <laughs> every time I said it in the first podcast every time I say I'm from New Hampshire it's like a whole thing I have to explain what New Hampshire is and I'm happy to I love it but also it'd be nice if I had another person here right, exactly. <laughs> that understood that experience more definitely i come mm -hmm. from very the opposite end of you know living in like parts of the five towns living in chicago very like jewishly rich places um definitely felt very strongly a part of the community my entire life um and i think really until i came to israel i was at this crossroad of you know everyone telling me that I have to be religious because, like, that's what we do. Um, but struggling a lot in finding my own connection with religion and with God um, and, and, you know, making my making a place for myself there. Mm -hmm. um, and when I came to Israel, so I, I started here in the yeshiva, um, just, you know, not planning on staying, just being here for the year. Um, and, and the yeshiva, in case anyone listening yeah. doesn't know, because I didn't know what yeshiva <laughs> was growing up. It's, do you want to explain it? Yeah, it's essentially, it's like a school, like any other, but its sole focus is on religious topics, on, you know, spirituality, a connection with God, um, the different books of Jewish law mm -hmm. um, and the Bible. Um, and there's both yeshiva for boys, and it's all boys, and there's what's called either seminary or midrashah for girls. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it's just a place where people come together to learn to, I mean, especially, like, you know, in the year programs where people are, a lot of people do it right after high school for a year. Um, and they do a lot of trips around Israel, getting you, like, you know, to see the country, to see the culture, mm -hmm. um, and to relate everything that you're learning in the classroom and in, you know, mm -hmm. the centers of learning with what's actually around you. And I think that's such, like, mm -hmm. the beautiful part of having all these yeshiva and seminaries in Israel is that you're able to, like, you know, learn about a story from the Bible and then go out and, like, see where it happened. Exactly. Um, it was always something really, like, amazing to me mm -hmm. and still, like, shocks me to this day. Like, when I'm walking down the street, it's like, whoa, like, like what else has happened here, yeah. you know? Um so I came here and I 
finally started feeling like my own connection mm-hmm. um, and started to just understand smallly in some ways, you know, my place with everything. Um, and it definitely still came with a lot of struggle. Um, I've known since a very young age that I was gay and going through such intense religious schooling especially in like you know a place that's just about horror study um with people you know run by people with views in in a very you know certain way can be a really big struggle Mm -hmm. um and they you know and I went through a lot of dark times especially in my year and a half in yeshiva um struggling with these two major things in my life, the fact of I know who I am and I know that, you know, this is something about me that, you know, our Bible says has its issues. Um, and the fact that I was so religious and the fact that I, I felt so connected with, you know, the people that I was around um, and the things that were being spoken to me um, really put me in this place that I just didn't know kind of where to go from there. Um yeah. And that was always like very, very hard. And it really took me leaving that, going into the army, going, you know, taking myself out of this daily routine of study surrounded by these certain people for me to be like, take a second and be like, whoa, like I need to re- reevaluate some things. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you speak because it's such the opposite experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just, I have this memory of me sitting um, in this common room at college in the apartment that I lived in my senior year I was speaking to a mentor that I have here (laughs) and I actually brought this back up to him last night um he I know him from a program that I did and the program was having a fundraiser and I was and he reached out to me and I told him I just how much the program means to me because I said money's a little tight this month but I still need to give something I just care about this program so 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 much and I told him this story that I always reflect back on I was sitting there and I was like, I really want to keep Shabbat. Quick background. Um, Shabbat is the Jewish Sabbath, if we want to go to English. And um, it's a day of rest. But there are a lot of sort of, I would say guidelines. I don't really like the word rules. (laughs) Um, But guidelines as to how to create the space of rest for yourself, which include not using electronics and not cooking and a whole bunch of other things. Um, And I really wanted to do it, but I wasn't in an environment where I could. And in fact, I kind of felt like my college environment really looked down upon religion because I think the perspective of religious values in America also doesn't really fit with liberal values. Um, And so there's sort of this idea that, oh, they can't go together. Except (laughs) I... Clearly, maybe not so clearly, I feel like I align pretty left (laughs) politically. And yet, I really believe in religion, and I really think that there's a value to it. I really relate to that also. I think, like, you know, my upbringing itself was still very liberal, and, like, as a young kid, like, a younger kid, so I didn't really think about what that meant further than just, you know, okay, I'm going for this candidate versus that candidate. Like, I'd never thought about its true impact on people and, and all the things that that politics really, you know, affect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as I was growing into myself and started to, to see the world through my own eyes, I was able to figure out these values coming from religion or these values coming from 
like parts of my upbringing or or liberalness or whatever mm-hmm. it may be my liberal side um can work together in different ways than I necessarily thought of mm-hmm. and in like deeper ways also yeah, um because again there are definitely things that are conflicting but there are also things that do work really well together right like the obvious one we both live in israel yeah generally speaking being pro-israel is not a super left thing Correct. and we choose to live here um but also i think so many of our jewish values are so like they're so liberal yeah <laughs> and in the truest sense of the term exactly like, to love people for people exactly. and to um and to to repair the world. Yeah, I was saying like a lot of things yeah. that we were talking about last time and even, you know, taking it further, there's just a lot in Judaism about being kind to other people, about being kind to the world that you're living in. And a lot of the things that we do are are meant for that, you mm-hmm. know. Our, our purpose is to create a better place in this world. A lot of people get very tied into the rules like as they would say, you know, all of the different commandments that God has given us mm-hmm. and they kind of forget these more ideas mm-hmm. that come with like come kind of underlying all of it, which is like, you know, love yourself, love others, love the world. Mm-hmm. Um those are kind of like three pillars that Judaism stands on in a sense. And people who get so wrapped up in, you know, making sure I do this right and that right lose track of that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I totally I totally hear you. And I think for me that was one of the biggest challenges when I entered a more religious or observant community here in Jerusalem, my upbringing, my Jewish upbringing, was so focused on the values yeah. and not the mitzvot, the commandments or the the um, guidelines, so we could say. Yeah. Um, and for me, I felt like I was noticing, hmm, a lot of these people are following the guidelines, but... They're also doing other things that don't really align with the values <laughs> I was taught. And that was really hard for me to hold on to that. Um, and I think over time, I started to, to lean towards the guidelines that I felt were uplifting those values for, for sure. me. So now that I'm here, I can keep Shabbat. Like going back to yeah. my little conversation with my mentor. Um, he told me, he said, Gabby, this is circumstantial, Gabby. Um, you can't keep Shabbat right now because of your circumstances. And if you really, really want to, one day you're going to put yourself in a place where you can. And I did that. Uh, After I graduated, I said, okay, it's time. I'm going to put myself in a place where I can try it. And I'm going to see if it's for me. And it changed so much for me. I don't don't know how to stop. I don't know how to pause. Um, I don't know how to allow myself time for self-reflection. It wasn't necessarily instilled in me. And I think that Shabbat gives me that opportunity. And because of that, then the rest of the week, I'm able to grow. I'm able to work on myself. I'm able to grow. I'm able to become a more whole person because I'm given that time. Um, And I'm able to better sort of live up to those values. Yeah. I was going to say like introspection, meditation, things like that, which aren't necessarily things that are like inherent to Shabbat are things that Shabbat allows you to make time in your week for and mm-hmm. allows you to just be like let's stop mm-hmm. let's wait a minute let's breathe um and let's you know focus in on ourselves let's focus on other people around us um and it really just gives a lot of very great 
interaction between people without all the distractions that come on a daily basis. Right, like it's, phones. Yeah. It's so amazing to sit with a group of people our age for hours. Hours. And have no phones. Yeah. Wow. It's just, it's so different. It's so funny because I see all the time people... Like, you know, random social media accounts I follow. So they'll, like, go out to a meal and they'll, like, put all their... There's, like, a classic meme. Like, they yeah, put all yeah. their phones in the middle. Like, first one to ding, like, has to pay. Or first one to pick it up, has to pay. Yeah. Um, and we still do that because, you know, obviously, like, the weeks can get... I'll be a lot and people can, like, get very intense with their with the electronics. But it's nice knowing that, like, one time a week there is going to be a time where you're going to sit down with friends and you're going to just be able to talk and just be able to exist in each other's presence without all these distractions. And it's, like, funny seeing these memes and these stories of people who, like, do it on, like, you know, once in a while, like, mm-hmm. on a whim. And it's like, yeah, this is my week every week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really nice, you know, part and thing that I don't like. It's a gift. A lot. Yeah, it's a real it's gift. It's really a real gift. Um, yeah. And I think... I've also had a lot of people from my life, like my pre-observant life, think that things that I do on Shabbat might be extreme, like not flipping a light switch might seem extreme. And it's funny because I'm not so strict on everything in Judaism, but I find myself really strict with Shabbat. And the reason, the reason I came, this thought came to me was about your, speaking of meditation. And I really find when I explain to other people why I do it this way, it's like every single action that I, normal action that I know is going to happen in the day. Um, I have a reminder that it's Shabbat. Yeah. And it's like, this is your day to be introspective. This is your day to be fully present. Yeah. Reminder. And I've noticed there are times um, when I'm not fully present and I'm not thinking in that mindset and I'll accidentally flip a switch. Right. And you're like, oh, I really it was. all the time and then like next thing you know, it's 25 hours without the light in the bathroom <laughs> yes, or whatever exactly. it is. Exactly. And, and I'm like, okay, that's a sign. I really wasn't in that mindset. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the gift, I think. Yeah, I really agree. Um, and I think it's just so interesting, like when speaking to you, you're like, this was instilled with me, you know, from day one, we keep Shabbat, we, we have this time and it's so nice to be able to, to focus on that and to be, you know, mindful of it. But it's so interesting talking to you when it's not something that was inherently brought into your life, mm-hmm. um, and how you found the value in it and you found all the good parts about it. Yeah, and I think that's very much so representative of my my religious journey, my growth. Yeah. Um, just that I constantly I'm finding meaning in these things that were always there. Yeah. I just wasn't taught them, and there are also oftentimes there are things that people who might have been brought up with them kind of let go over time. Yeah, because they lose their sense of meaning for them. Or they become, they start to seem extreme, or they start to seem like they're kind of um, the kind of like you're stuck in a cage. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people, and like you know, kind of growing up in that religious from birth category. Um, it's very hard when you've done it for so long and it's been so instilled on you to find your own personal meaning. And when you don't, it can feel like rules. It can feel like things that are restricting you in your mm-hmm. life. Um, and I'll, because every aspect of Judaism can have such minute detail it can really feel like there's just it's so overwhelming and there's so much that you have to do um and 
so it's it can just be like exhausting in a way um and i think it's really important you know even if you don't do everything to the fullest even if you you know do things in your own way to still like be cognizant to still find the things that relate to you that you find meaning in and to Mm -hmm. focus in on even you know things that may be a little bit hard but to still try to find meaning in those and even if you're not doing something 100 percent, still Mm -hmm. you know attempting to take parts of its values i think that's a big thing that i've been realizing is that the the commandments and the guidelines are there and they're all they are really beautiful and and do help to shape our life but at the end of the day it is these underlining meanings and underlining purposes that are coming from the commandments that that God is trying to say this is how you should be acting throughout your life Mm -hmm. and again I think a lot of people do lose that and that's when it starts to feel suffocating or when you're kind of just doing it like a robot in a sense Also, um, is when it comes to you know dress and modesty, um, is really something that I struggle with coming from a place that I'm coming from. Um, I naturally feel a lot more feminine when it comes to ways that I express myself. I mean, feminine the social construct of the term, but um, you know, in regards to painting my nails um, and just. I don't know, my general dress can just feel, at least to me, um, a little bit more flamboyant or, or just, you know, as some people may say, girly in a way or whatever it may be, um, which again, I think is a whole nother topic, but <laughs> focusing on what it means for me is that it really, it really does conflict with the kind of concepts in a way that we learn growing up in a religious setting. It really does, you know teach you to kind of dress in one way um and to express yourself through clothing really isn't something that is brought about and is taught um in my school most of my schools growing up we weren't allowed to wear jeans we only wear button downs and polos um for whatever reason jeans is like looked on like you're the devil i don't know why but that, that is what it is um, but yeah but like whatever it's a very strict dress code um and you know and even more from more religious communities within judaism it's all black and white it's you know even to greater extremes of wearing clothes that may seem like they're coming back from the 1920s 1930s (laughs) or whatever it is um you know people really don't use dress as a way to express themselves and i've always been drawn to fashion been drawn to finding fun pieces Mm -hmm. and putting them together making like a really just dope outfit Mm -hmm. um and that's always been something that's really spoken to me and you know when it comes to painting my nails or dyeing my hair things that you know may not necessarily be so promoted Mm -hmm. in religious circles are things that just at this point make me feel very me um and i think it's so important to focus on both and to find a healthy balance you know finding the thing that makes you express yourself and comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. um even if that's not 100 percent in line with what the the community is is telling you right and it's so interesting <laughs> <laughs> because my experience has been so opposite lately yeah. um i felt a lot in college that 
people were encouraged to express themselves through their physical bodies and their physique. Um, my school was really small and we still had full sports teams for nearly every sport, which meant most people were athletes. And so kind of physique and athleticism and being fit was put on this really big pedestal and, um, showing off that body that you worked on or that you gained just by doing your sport was really common. A typical outfit for going out, you know, on a Friday or a yeah. Saturday in college <laughs> uh, was showing a lot of skin. And I started to kind of develop this belief that like that's you express yourself through your physique and your body and people also understand you and judge you and base who you are on that. Right. So um, if you have like a really fit body, then you must be really active. And if you have a not so fit body, you must be really lazy. And I kind of attributed these things. Um and lately, I've been dabbling in what in the religious community <laughs> would be seen as like modest dress. They call it tzniut or tzanua mm. in Hebrew, whatever. And um, I've been wearing skirts a lot more and I've been wearing things that are more, quote unquote, modest by uh, some standard. But it's interesting because my approach to it and my reasoning for it is so different. Like it's another thing that I feel kind of Judaism or religious circles or observant circles gave me, but in a different way than maybe it was initially intended, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, but I found that by doing that, then I can express myself in colors and textures and patterns right. as opposed to through the shape of my body. Yeah. Um, and I've struggled for a really long time with body image and with feeling confident in my skin and with not obsessing over what my body itself looks like. And instead focusing on what's inside and yeah. like, what do, what, what does my soul look like? What does my <laughs> being look like? Am I proud of that as opposed to, am I proud of the shape of my body um, or the skin that I'm in? And I think this practice has really helped me focus so much more on what's inside and focus so much more on what colors do I like? What patterns do I like? Yeah. Textures and shape. Like it's just a totally different way to engage with getting dressed in the morning Definitely. Um, so while modest dress has been like a gift for me, it was something that really sort of kept you in that cage yeah, in some I was, ways. I was going to say that I think it, um, it's interesting hearing you talk about all of it because you really are able to take the two, like very, the two very different parts of yourself, the part that grew up and the part that is now. And you're able to say in a way that, that, I didn't like this from when I was growing up. I didn't like this from when I was in college. Um, so now I'm going to do so-and-so, but for this purpose and really like feel that inside. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a lot harder coming from a place where it, in a way, it became very strict. And I think it's a, a really important conversation to have about people who, because of our nature, don't fit inside the box and I think it right. works for you as well coming from a place where you didn't grow up religious coming from a place where you know you didn't you haven't been following things until recently um you also don't fit into that box right. and you also come at everything thinking differently yeah and I think that the offering of vulnerability really allows all of us to find these points of connection yeah definitely. Um, to be able to have this conversation about things that are really hard for us yeah and to see okay we have pretty opposite experiences and at the same time we're struggling at the same intersection right we're coming to similar conclusions yeah. um and i think it's just 
so important like i don't know i've never turned away from having a deep conversation with somebody because mm-hmm. you know either it's someone that you already know that you kind of vibe with and that's you know even if you're not coming about it from the same way you're going to kind of reach the same directions and it's going to help to make you feel less lonely um but it can also come from a way of just experiencing new ideas and seeing how other people relate to the world mm-hmm. and you know different experiences that we've all gone through in our pasts and how them how that helps to create our futures mm. and i think it's just so interesting to watch as that unfolds absolutely yeah well i think we've come to the end of episode two yeah as yeah. always reach out to us message us on instagram yeah, let us know what you want to hear um there was a lot that was discussed in this episode so you know what are your thoughts um definitely send us messages yeah ask us questions um messages requests everything we're here we want to hear from you yeah we'll either you know answer you privately maybe you know obviously anonymously can like post it online like on the on our instagram or something to give that voice to other people who also Mm -hmm. want to hear it bring it up in a podcast you know there's lots of different ways that we can be interactive um and i think it's going to be really awesome again as we're creating this community for you know you guys to be interacting with us not just on a private level between gabby and myself but also on the public forums of Mm -hmm. the comment section um to be able to find other people to relate to as well yeah solidarity is huge exactly (laughs) so anyway that's the end of episode two a big chibouk here from gabby and matan and keep on rounding that box bye Mm -hmm.